FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Alongside columnist Jeff Calkins and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington, here's beat reporter Ron Tillery. This edition of the Grizzlies Podcast, I am Ron Tillery, the only beat writer the Grizzlies have ever known. Alongside Jeff Calkins, our columnist and our pick and pop columnist, Chris Harrington. And so we are reacting to the NBA draft lottery and it, 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 and it deserves a reaction because the Grizzlies fell from being the second worst team to having the second best odds of getting a number one pick to being fourth. And so Jeff, well, I mean, there's a lot of fatalism. I was out there at rail garden last night watching it and, and it is interesting how people have become, particularly for a team that's funny, that's gone to the playoff for seven, before this year, that had gone to the playoffs for seven straight years, there is this assuming the worst. And I think that's specific largely to the draft and to the lottery, when, as you've chronicled, the worst is often what happens in the draft or in the lottery. I mean, they have, this is their eighth time in the lottery, and in five of those times now, they've slid. One time they stayed the same, when Xavier, Xavier was the, that pick, the 12th, and the other two... They've moved up twice, once that allowed them to make the blunder of drafting Ashim the beat, and once that got them nothing because they moved up to two in a year when if they didn't have one, they weren't keeping the pick. So I think people expect the worst. That was my experience last night. And um, and this wasn't the worst. The worst would have been falling to five. Uh, but it certainly wasn't what, what they wanted. It was weird, though, because I talked to, and I you did sound like you did too, talked to Chris Wallace afterwards. And Chris Wallace has a way of sounding happy no matter what anyway. Right. But it was interesting what he said. What he said was, listen, I really didn't want to fall to five um, because we think we're still in the, in the group of still in the group of sort of the first group of players. Now, that could be spin or it could be that they think they're four really good players. Yeah. And I, I don't know which of those it is. There's no way to spin it in terms of like it was a disappointing night. You wanted one. If you didn't have one, you wanted two. If you didn't have two, you wanted three. Right. So it was a disappointing night. But in this particular draft, given that there's no LeBron – I don't actually think it's cataclysmic. I think it feels bad, but I don't think it's cataclysmic. Well, you know, and and Chris, here's what I would say. I agree with Jeff. I mean, I I just think it it was bad because the the Grizzlies are in a position where they have to get it right. Like right. when when you fall, I mean, I don't care if you fall to five. When you fall to four. <laughs> you you got to get it right. You got to get that right. <laughs> you know, draft night is much more important than lottery night. Let's <laughs> right. be clear. Right. Yes. Right. right. So you got to get it right. So, so uh, you know, now that we understand that they're four, you know, where where do they sit in your mind in terms of the decision-making? Because that's what we're talking about. Jay. Right. We're talking about the actual decision-making at number four. Well, I mean, part of that fatalism about is rooted in the team's history, but that's also obviously connected to the leadership of the team, which is connected to that history, and there's not a lot of confidence in that. They need to come out of this draft with with a significant piece of talent for their future. That's gonna, was going to be true whether they picked one or they picked fifth. That's going to be true whether they pick it four or they trade up or they trade down or they trade out. This is the best chance they have to add significant young talent in the next two years, and so they got to come away with some significant talent the good, the bad news is I think you had a better chance of doing that at one or two. The good news is I think you have a better chance at four in this draft than a lot of drafts. I just I feel like this is a pretty strong lottery. There have been better, but there have been a lot worse. 
And I don't feel you look at some past drafts, you see guys, guys who are picked who have literally done nothing, you know, your dragon benders of the world, and guys who are picked high who, you know, it took them three or four years to get good in college and they were reaches, your Evan Turners and Wesley Johnsons or whatever. All of the players that they're going to consider at four, every one of them is going to be a player who was considered a top prospect coming up, has a big time pedigree, and they have all been productive, every single one of them whether that's Jaron Jackson or Marvin Bagley or Mo Bamba or Trey Young or Michael Porter. Like some of those guys are going to bust, but they all have decent chances to be really good. You just got to, of the ones you have left to choose from, you got to pick the right one. Here's the thing. When, when the draft lottery happens, we always talk about how good the draft could be. You know, especially when you're in the top five. Here's my point. So, but then... You, you get into the Mitchells from Utah. You, right. you, you get into, you know, uh, all these players who rise up. Uh, you know, you can go all the way back to um, uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, at 15. There is pressure on them to get it right. Right, Jeff? I mean, like, oh, no, I mean, clearly. Like they, there's they, there's they, clearly I mean, pressure. There's, what, more, and there's more pressure when they're five because, I mean, you, Chris is when they're the four. Math, when they're four. Yeah, yeah. Because Chris has done the math. You can cite all the Kawhis and Donovan Mitchells. There are, but the reason we remember them is because they're like, what? What? What's there, the math? There aren't that many. What's one? What's o- the math of this? Over a twenty-year history, top five picks have you've got an all-star player forty percent of the time, and then outside the top ten, it gets it's four percent. It's like a factor of ten once you get outside that top ten, yeah. and so you know there, and so forty percent is still like you know, is <laughs> more 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 odds you miss than you make. But you got a decent chance to make, and 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 this team they they, they can't, can't afford. Miss. They don't have to get the very best player who's left in the draft at four. When you look back in five years, but they have to get a good player. They have to hit. They cannot pick a player and then wave him the very next year. <laughs> oh, unlikely. well, that's not going to happen. Seems unlikely at four. At four. Yeah. yeah, it seems no, unlikely. I, I mean, but yes, I mean, but no, but, but, right. but, but you yeah. could have waved Hashim the beat, right? You well, that, you make you, you make a good point. Have. You're exactly right. You yeah. basically you basically no paid to get rid of him. Yeah. yeah, you you paired a future first round pick with him for another team to take him away. You paid to get rid of Hashim yeah. the beat. Here's the one thing, Chris. You talk about the fact that it is a good lottery, and people think it is a pretty good lottery. I do think that by falling to four, you mentioned they have players with great pedigrees who have been productive by and large in this draft. There is a little bit of a fall off in terms of the production yeah. After you get to three, the first three. This is assuming Bagley, who, who are presumed to be the first three, off the board, which are Doncic right. and Aiton and Bagley in some order, all have great pedigrees. All have very productive. The ones after, it's a little bit of a shift because Jaron Jackson is great pedigree and was pretty productive. Right, not Bagley, but level he was not productive. dominant. He right. was not dominant. You got Michael Porter Jr., great pedigree, injured. You got right. Bamba. Trey Young, dominant, but was, dominant, was not considered not a sure a one and done. Right. And so it's college, a little right? iffier. That's what the, uh, it feels to me like if, uh, according to their plan, which was to pop right back into the playoffs with, on the strength of whatever, good health mostly, uh, and then, but also adding a piece, the players who were most apt to help them do that were one, two, and three, it seems to me. The there's most, a, there's yeah. a decent chance that the player they signed with the mid level exception, if they signed Tyreek Evans or someone else who's good, has a bigger impact next season than the player they drafted number four. I agree. Just for next season. Yeah. yeah. I, particularly I, I given that, that it's this yeah. player, that, yeah. it's, that, it, that it's now. I'm yeah. pretty particularly looking yeah. at the Because, I mean, we're not talking about drafting a LeBron. Even if, you, if you've if you moved up to one, 
you're not getting a LeBron James type. Right. And the point, by the way, that I've heard you make this a lot, uh, Ron, is that that lottery picks aren't saviors, and I agree with that. Yeah, it doesn't mean you don't need them. You do need them. But right. What you see, if you look at even the players who do, even the teams who do it well, whether it's Boston, um, you know, for example, is is an obvious example. It's it's clusters of players. You need multiple. You need to hit or Philadelphia or whatever. You need to hit on multiple of these guys. The idea yeah. that one, even if they hit on this one tentpole player, that he's going to pave a golden future right. is that's too much pressure to put on that player. Now he might be joined. He's not going to be joined, hopefully, by a first round pick next year because right. that hopefully they give that one to Boston. Yeah. But a bit by another first round pick in another couple of years or whatever. But this player. A isn't going to be a LeBron level player, and then B is just one. So even if it's a, even if you get a, a, a Jason Tatum level player, like that's just one of them, and and yeah. you need four of them. And, and here's the thing, you know, Memphis has put itself in a position where they've missed on so many that now this one becomes so significant because they can't draft for a player that they think is going to elevate them next year. They got to draft a player that's going to be a player over the next decade that's going to help this franchise move forward beyond Mike and Mark. I mean, I mean, let's face it, you know, Mark's, he's going to be 34. Mike's 30. Do you think Mark I mean, and Mike were discouraged watching this because they would, I mean, the way that Mark talked about Doncic at the, his, his farewell deal, right. you got the sense that he really wanted to play with, that he would have really, really enjoyed to playing get excited about, But you know what? And you know, also at, at yeah. the same time, I've, I've had private conversations where Mark was really high on Aiden. Believe it's not. not getting him either, right? <laughs> yeah, but but they're not getting him right, either. Right, yeah, right. I mean, like, I mean, like, I, I've I heard, wonder what he thinks I, about Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> right. I've heard Mark talk very highly about Aiden. Aiden, yeah. So, well, so it must have been. It must have been a little deflating. Like, I maybe not. Maybe they're just philosophical over there, wherever you are. You play the cards you're dealt. But yeah, I would have wanted one of those first. <laughs> that's for sure. If I'm yeah, so you can't possibly tell me that we're okay at four. I can tell you, you could be okay at four. But I can't tell you it's better than being at one and two. It's not. Right. In fact, I, I, I think sort of, that's a better way to put before it. Before yeah. this draft, I said, if you told me you could either have the first three picks or the rest of the draft, and where's who's the best? Where's the best player going to come out of this draft? I think there's a reasonable chance that it's that it's if I get the field, you get the first three, I get the field. I think there's a reasonable chance it could be particularly in this draft, whether it's Porter Jr. or whether it's Bamba or whether it's Trey Young or whether it's. Like I think there's a reasonable chance in this draft that the, the field could produce the best player, but it's hard to find that person um, when yeah. it than it is at, at the top. Yeah, let let's go on record, Chris. Who do you want it for? Um, well, you know the the mysteries of Atlanta at three. I think everyone assumes Aiton and Donkic are off the board. I think Atlanta is a little up in the air. If we're assuming Bagley is most likely to go at three. I am higher on Jaron Jackson Jr. than most, and I would probably take him at four. If Bagley slipped, I'd take Bagley. But, I'll, but if, we're, if, we're, if we're taking Bagley off the board, I'll take Jaron Jackson Jr. But I'm going to take a close look at Trey Young, and I'm going to take a close look at Michael Porter Jr.'s medicals. I would not discount those two players. I say Trey Young, and I, I, I say it for a few reasons, because I, I'm not as dissuaded by his end-of-season performance. Right. Because in the NBA, you're not going to load up on Trey Young like 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 they were able to do in college. I mean, he he was playing with nobody. To me, the big question uh, with him yeah. is Mike Conley, the coexistence given Conley's contract. Well, I'm not worried about it because um, at the same time, you know, you, you're talking about a kid 
who fits this era of basketball. They're going to play this way in the NBA for the next decade, if not longer. And, you know, I I think about how many times teams have taken a player at at a certain position where they already were comfortable and you just figure it out, you know, like, so, so like maybe he's better than Mike Conley. Well, I, very clearly, if Trey Young is the best player after the available when they pick, yeah. I would hope they pick Trey Young, whether he fits with Mike Conley or not. Yeah, I had doubts about him. I'll be honest, even before the swoon, you just watch him play. He's little. A, he's little, and B, he just had the ball in his hands all the time. Like they let him do anything. He had an incredible number of turnovers. He's really loose with the ball. It was like watching a a high school team with one awesome player whose dad's the coach, and just go do whatever you want. And yeah, he would hit fantastic, spectacular and, shots. And yeah, but he was also say, just he struck. A, he did not look like a pro to me. And you yeah, know, but, and yeah, but Jeff, same concerns about Steph. Steph, right? And so you know what? I told this story on the radio this morning. I remember Jerry West having a fourth pick and saying, I'm going to draft Strohmile Swift all over again. That's what he told me. And then he went and got Drew Gooden. And so this might be a bad analogy. You guys can kill me with this one. But in 2009, they had a chance to take Steph. And you know what they kept saying? That was too high. Number two was too high to take Steph Curry. They have an opportunity to do that all over again and take a guy who 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 is dynamic in what he does. I've come around. I've become more positive on Trey Young the more I've looked into it mm-hmm. um, because I do think what he is good at is really important in the NBA today. Mm-hmm. He has deep range off the dribble, and he has great court vision. Quick release. Yeah, and so yeah. all that's important. And also, you know, the column I did last week where I looked at sort of 20 years of drafts and the kinds of players – Players like him who were considered good coming out of college but not sure things, but then they were dominant as freshmen, there's a good track record for those kind of players. That yeah. The high production at a very young age tends to be the best indicator of NBA success. When you're that good that young at the college level, it, it, it bodes well for you. Yeah. So for all those reasons, I do. I would put him in the mix of players I would consider, but I, I just think there's a lot of upside with him, but there's so much downside, yeah. and I'm just wary of the, the of the Grizzlies taking on a lot of risk. I think there's almost no chance they take Trey Young. I, right. I, it's funny. I'm not. People at ask four. me. People people at, at four. People come up to me and they at Real Garden and they say, "Who do you like?" Mm-hmm. And I'm honest about it. I'm not the person who has to tell you who to like. Like <laughs> I will with, with with no problems. I will not know who's going to be best, but I will judge the GM on who's going to be best. Because they get paid that's to, their yeah. job. <laughs> right. My job is to write about the GM's performance, whether right. he got it right or not. Like I agree. I, yeah. I don't spend my life breaking down. I, I will between now and the draft, and I'll develop some thoughts. Like I was a Rubio guy in that no, draft. But, but, you're, I, but you're writing now about Penny and about Tiger football. It's not, they're, I, they're getting paid every day. Literally. <laughs> and people will say it's you, you can't – I've had this argument with people. People say you can't judge them on their – I don't know how else to judge them other than on the record. Yes, right. I, and I will hold you responsible. Are you right or are you wrong? Like that is how. Now, if there's an injury that intercedes, if you want to put Jordan Adams in a special case because maybe he would have been good, that's fine. So I honestly, right now, I'm I'm I have I don't know anything about Michael Porter Jr.'s medical records. Nothing. Never seen him play. I mean, you know, I've seen I saw him play once he came back, and he wasn't very good. And not only was he not good, he tried to do way too much. Right. Given that he wasn't very good, right. which raises some red flag, raised some red flags to me. I've seen 
Jaron Jackson looked great, and I've seen him look just god awful. Um, and so, which is he? I'm not. We're not going to be allowed in the workouts like we once were, where we sort of could develop conviction. So, what I'm actually better at is telling you what I think the Grizzlies will do, rather than what I think you I would do. And I think there's no chance they're taking Trey Young. He would not have been happy, Chris Wallace, to be staying at four. So happy to be if he if he was, and I actually thought it was legitimate. Like it's just me listening to happiness over the phone. I thought he sounded pretty upbeat. He would not have been happy necessarily. So giddy about standing because you could have got Trey Young at five. Like they they, I I just can't see it. I don't think they're going to do it. You may be right that he's the right guy to do it yeah. to do. I don't think they're going to do it. Well, here's here's the thing. At the end of the day, please have conviction about the player, and don't tell me this is too high to take him. Please have conviction about the direction you're going beyond Mike and Mark and take the player that's going to take you there. I mean, and, and, and that's why at four, I'm, 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 I'm worried. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like, if it was one or two, it, it, it's like the, the Odin Durant. Take one of them and, and we're good. Right. You know, but, but at four, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not convinced about their conviction about a player or the direction that they want to take this franchise. Well, we I think they will have a conviction, don't you? We don't, what's that? Yeah, I think they will have a conviction. Like, I, I do think they like Jaron Jackson Jr., for example, uh, already. I think that— It's I, hard to say they—I mean, ultimately, there's an organizational decision, but who's the, there's, there's multiple people. There's always going to be disagreement. Well, tell, tell me who's making the pick. Chris right. Wallace, ultimately. Yeah, I think nah, so. Come, oh, okay, come on, come on, Jeff. You mean uh, Robert yeah. Perez making the pick? <laughs> I don't think Chris Wallace is making the pick. Then who's making the pick? I don't know. That's the, that's the problem. <laughs> I think we, as much as anyone, know. you can say Chris Wallace because that's what they say. We, but but we don't know that Chris Wallace is making this pick. We don't know, what and we don't, and we don't even believe it. We don't know. What you the don't is. believe that, do you? I don't believe that John Hollinger is making the pick. I don't believe that Ed Stefanski is making the pick more than I believe that Wallace. I actually yeah. believe. Here's what happens. I believe they sit around a table. And they chime in, and they come to some sort of consensus opinion, and and that's the one that Chris Wallace runs up the flagpole. Yeah. Right? That's what. That's what. Don't you? Isn't that what you think that happens? I probably. So I don't think it's. I, but in the end, if they're telling us he's the guy, I'm gonna like. He's gonna have to be the guy who's who's responsible. responsible yeah. He has to be the guy who's responsible. Like I'm not letting him off the hook for picks. Like people love to say, well, he didn't pick this guy. Well, then why is he GM if he didn't? If he's not, if he doesn't have that kind of authority, why is he in that position? But we also know that if Chris Wallace had autonomy, he would have taken Tyreek Evans in 2009. We do know that. He would not have taken Hashim the beat. We we know that. That was a different owner, a different structure, a different time. I I mean, what's interesting and both perilous and interesting about being at four is that I mean, we don't know what conviction the Grizzlies will develop in terms of best player. But there are 30 NBA teams, and at number four, if you polled 30 teams, I bet you'd get four or five different answers of who the best player is. Right. And so, like at one, you may get two or three, but there are going to be people who think Trey Young's best, who think Bamba's best, who think Jackson, who think Porter. Hey, what's you interesting know. is I think from a PR perspective, this has been a very unfortunate – this will be a very unfortunate offseason because the lottery didn't turn out the way it, it people wanted. And yeah. so that was kind of deflating relative to what could have happened. And then, I mean, this was not going to be a operator standing by Cape Lottery anyway. Literally the year of the Durant, Durant, Odin, they had operators standing by. That wasn't going to be this. But that was deflating. Now there are going to be, I think, two people's favorites who emerge, just fans. They're going to want Bagley to drop. And then they're going to want Porter Jr. 
Oh, I but, think you're going to have some Trey Young fans who are and maybe, on, maybe, on, the, on that bus with Ron. And they're going to end up, <laughs> and they're going to end up picking Jaron Jackson Jr. And no one will be happy about and that. And no one's like, going to be happy. No, no one's like going to be Peter Edmiston. No, no one's hey. going to be happy about the lottery night. No one's going to be happy about the draft night. And there's going to be and, essentially no momentum. And then Tyreek isn't going to come back. By the way, Tyreek isn't coming back. <laughs> he ain't coming back. And then there's going to be no momentum heading into the next year. And let me tell you something, Chris. The bus that Ron Tillery is driving is like that penny bus. It's, it's luxury. <laughs> uh, I, I, I got a luxury right, bus right, on yeah. the Trey Young uh, <laughs> ride. <laughs> so. No, I no, I, I, I agree with you, Jeff. I mean, I, I think I just think coming full circle, four puts them in a position where, I mean, they got a pick. Like, if it was one or two. It's easier. It, yeah. It's easy. You can't get away with what people would think is a reach. Like, if you think Trey Young or Mohamed Bamba, whoever is the best player, you can pick him at four and, like, no one's going to – people aren't – it's not like, you know, if you think Trey Young's the best player right. in the draft, you pick him at one, right? Yeah. So you, you have a little bit of license to just really do what you think is the right thing to do at four. And and then how about this, guys? The lottery unfolded it this way. They, 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 they did the ping pong balls at number one, Phoenix. Right. They did the ping ball balls, number two. Phoenix. Phoenix. Did the ping pong balls at number three. Phoenix. Phoenix. They did it at three, Sacramento, four, Atlanta. Atlanta. So, so, so basically four, five chances, and Memphis didn't get it. How about that? Oh, no, it's too bad. It's the way math works. It's, 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 <laughs> I mean, in the end, they got, the, they got the pick that was the most single most likely pick, which was – Fourth, if you, I mean, the most they had about a fifty percent chance of getting top three, but the single most likely spot for them to land was four, and that's where they landed a thirty whatever percent, and that's where they landed. Now, in fair, in fairness, you know, they were fighting at the bottom with Orlando and Dallas, and they're picking ahead of Orlando and Dallas. Like, I mean, they, you know, they right. could have slid. They, they could have easily been fifth. Six, now, on seventh, the other hand, eighth, if, if they hadn't right. won that damn game against Denver with Tyreek playing, they <laughs> they could have been split with Phoenix. And like, you can't go back and do this stuff. No. Um, and here's so, and, and, and and I know we we will debate the whole tank thing from here to. Uh, Hopefully, we won't tw- have to debate it again. Tw- twenty like it be, yeah, right exactly twenty twenty when it comes up again. Right. But but I was in the room when the Chicago Bulls were ninth, and. They jumped all the way to first and got right. Derrick Rose. And, and that's why I'm just saying, like, it, it's not about tanking so much. It, it's, it's about the system. You know? Right. And, and well, we, I, th- we, I think, I, 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 given that tanking has become so pernicious, I mean, that people hate it, mm-hmm. I, I'm all for literally having a flat system where everybody gets the same chance. Like, yeah. I, I don't even want it to have, if you're first – like next year, one, two, and three will have the same chance to get the number right. one pick. They're flattening the Which odds. Which is crazy. But if you're yeah. going to flatten the odds, just flatten them all together. Just right. flatten them all together and just yeah. get rid of all incentive to lose. As long as there is incentive to lose, we'll be arguing about whether it makes sense to lo- to take advantage of that or not. Right. But if there were no incentive to lose, then we then we wouldn't. no one would have this argument. Yeah. It was, by the way, weird seeing Jerry West back up there, wasn't it? As much as he hated the lottery, <laughs> hated the lottery, and had bad luck with the Grizzlies in the lottery, there he was representing the Clippers in the lottery. Well, that, that's why Chris Wallace should have, instead of talking about a, a, an, an Italian dinner in Chicago, he should have been ripping the system like, 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 like Jerry, Jerry West would have done. And Wall and, and Heisley, <laughs> Heisley did. He ripped, they both ripped the system. Yeah. yeah. So, so, okay, so we'll end on that note. If you guys want to pay... I'll be more than happy to have a Chicago style Italian dinner with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what what's in what would be in that a Chicago style Italian dinner? That, I, I don't know. It's going deep dish. Is that what he's going deep dish? So what's going to happen now? Now we're going to have they're going to have workouts. 
Uh, obviously. Workouts, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and we'll be further debating who should go for. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they get Michael Porter will have, will have some say in who he gives medicals to. We've been down this road before with players, you know, not cooperating. And so is he going to give the Grizzlies his medicals? Is he going to come in for a, a a competitive workout? Do they even care? Or is that they going to signal that that's not where they're going anyway? Well, I, I tell you what. I mean, this is going to be shades of Hashim the Beat because, remember, guys, he never came in. Right. They just interviewed him several times. So is that going to be Porter Jr.? Or are they going to be so fixated on more, you know, Bagley and Jackson that that's not as big of a concern? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who comes in and who doesn't. Right. All right. That's this latest edition of the Grizzlies podcast. Please check out all of our work. Jeff Calkins, Chris Harrington, Ron Tillery at thecommercialappeal.com, at the CA uh, app. And we will talk to you later. The Grizzlies podcast is hosted by Ron Tillery, Jeff Calkins, and Chris Harrington and posts each week during the regular season at commercialappeal.com. You can also subscribe to the Grizzlies podcast for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Grizzlies podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.